What is up, everybody? I'm Dylan Pertemery, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. Week number three of the NHL season check has been completed, and players are starting to establish themselves. Dubrois and Liney have now both officially made their debut. COVID continues to strike inside of the NHL. Has Tampa Bay established themselves as the sports city of now? And what players are on a hot streak? You know what time it is. Let's hop right on into our sixth. That's right, our sixth episode of Top Shelf. All righty, everyone. So to kick things off, I want to share an insane milestone. 41-year-old Patrick Marlowe of the San Jose Sharks, who's in his 23rd season in the NHL, played his 1,734th game last night, putting him in sole possession of third place for total games played in the NHL, passing the great Yamir Yager. Now you may be wondering, how many more does he need to get to first place? Well, I'll tell you. Mark Messier sits in second with 1,756 games, meaning he would only need to play 23 more this season to pass him and be in second place. And in sole possession of first currently is the great Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe, who sits at first with 1,767 games, which means Marlowe would need to play 34 games to eclipse that record and be in sole possession of first place for most games played all time in the NHL. And this is extremely possible for this season as the Sharks still have 45 games left to play this season. And Marlowe won't look to miss any of those games in the season as he currently sits on 865 consecutive regular season games played, which you would have to go all the way back to April 2009 to the last time he did not play in a regular season game. He has the second longest active streak currently, only trailing Keith Yandel, who is 875, whose streak was thought to maybe come to an end earlier in the season due to him falling out of favor for the Panthers, but he has managed to sneak on in in the beginning and has stayed within the lineup. Yandel and Marlowe hold spots four and five respectively for most consecutive regular season games played. But we'll keep a close eye on Marlowe and when he will hope he hopefully will eclipse hopefully with no injuries for Marlowe's sake and have the most games ever played in the NHL. I just thought that's an amazing milestone and to stay so healthy in a game that is just hitting and hitting and everything like that. It's wear and tear on your body. Just amazing by Marlowe. Next up is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we've we've mentioned for the past like three weeks now, obviously with Line A for Dubois, the big, the big blockbuster trade that went down. He finally made his debut last night for the Winnipeg Jets. Dubois had a less than impressive opening with a minus one on 13-10 time on ice and the Jets 3-2 loss to the Flames. He did look less than impressive out there through Dubois' standards. However, he hasn't played a game since January 21, so we're going to have to cut him a little bit of slack. It's been a bit of time since he's played, and he's going to need to get going a bit with some games. He centered the third line alongside of Kyle Connor and Trevor Lewis. Uh, Paul Murray's kind of 
switched up his lines a bit, obviously trying to slowly bring Dubois into lineup. He did mention before that it looked like we were going to see Stastny get pushed out to that left wing with Dubois centering and Ehlers on the other wing. Uh, Ehlers has been bumped up to the first line with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler has dropped down to the second line. Maybe we'll see Dubrow with Wheeler and Stastny. Maybe Dubrow will stay on that third line for a little bit. Maybe Stastny will get dropped down. The original plan he did say was that it was going to be Stastny, Dubrow, and Ehlers up on that second line. But I guess we will see. Uh, He also played uh, with Mason Appleton last night, who got bumped up in place of Trevor Lewis. I think that once he's settled in, Paul Maurice will get those set lineups and Dubois will be playing second line center for the Jets. Dubois did create a couple of good chances, but it's okay that he didn't break out in this game. He's going to need a couple of games to get fit and get going. We saw Line's first game wasn't good for him, and then he exploded for two goals in a game. And may I say, Line has an absolute cannon This man, for both of his goals, set up in the same spot, just like Ovi does on the left half boards, fires the puck hard and accurately. His first goal for Columbus was placed perfectly, and I mean perfectly, into that top right corner. And then late in the third period, he had another bomb that snuck in short side top left corner. We'll definitely be checking back in on Dubois and Line as the season progresses. Probably going to be a topic we talk about a lot because it's a huge trade for the teams. But Dubois was happy just to go out and play again after the long break in quarantine, and I believe he'll get his legs back underneath himself soon. COVID is striking once again in the NHL, with now 32 games and two before the season, totaling to now 34 games in the NHL, have been postponed due to either positive tests or cautionary reasons because of COVID. The most recent being the Flyers, versus the Capitals of last night. On Monday, it was announced that three more Devil games, two more Sabres games, and two more Wild games have also been postponed. We knew this was bound to happen, and that the lull of the no postponements at the beginning of the season, we obviously had the Stars, who had a delay to the start of their season, but we didn't really have many games getting postponed. It, It probably will start to pick up i i think at the current rate we will see that the season might expand upon what it already is i know the nhl wanted to stay on schedule we'll see what they choose to do about this but i'm sure the nhl knew that it was likely to happen that there was going to be lots of postponed games we'll see how many more come and how they handle it my question still is what are they going to do for the playoffs i guess guess it's still a bit a ways away But the thing I'm still wondering is we've found out when teams do make it out of their division and we have four teams remaining in the playoffs, who is playing who? We haven't been told like East plays West, North plays Central or anything like that. Um, I, I can kind of guess what I think they might do based off how they've worded stuff. And that's they're going to have the winners from each division and then rank them one or seed them one through four based off their regular season records, and they'll have one play against four and two against three. 
but you would have to think there will be some sort of bubble for those four teams, right? Because the Canadian teams will have to come into the United States because it's a lot easier to bring one team into the U.S. than bringing three U.S. teams into Canada. And then I guess you won't be seeing a regular playoff series. You'll see something similar to last season. Instead of playing two games home and two games away, you'll just be playing all seven games in that bubble, wherever that may be for those four teams. That's gonna. That's my guess at what they're gonna do. Uh, we'll see how COVID guidelines and restrictions happen. I think that might be what the NHL is waiting to see. Is see how much of a change we do see progressing. Maybe there'll be looser borders and people can move. But based right now, even within the divisions, you are having postponements in the games because of COVID. And last year in your bubble, you didn't have any postponements. You didn't have any positive tests. It was amazing last year. And I would have to think they would go to some something somewhat similar for that this year. I know that wasn't their plan, but I think for those final four teams, they might do some sort of small little bubble. Uh, I don't think there will be home home advantage or anything. It's really just this huge kind of like unclear mess. Obviously, COVID makes everything hard. I guess we'll keep trying to see how COVID guidelines change and what the NHL decides to do with the playoffs. Next thing I want to talk about has a little bit to do with other sports and about the past Super Bowl. Now, if you live under a rock, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9 in Super Bowl 55 this past Sunday. Not too long ago this past summer, the Tampa Bay Lightning also won a championship, winning the Stanley Cup up against the Dallas Stars, meaning Tampa secured two titles in about six months or so, and they almost could have secured three as the Tampa Bay Rays were in the World Series up against the LA Dodgers, but lost in six games. To my knowledge and research, no city has ever had three championships in the same year for the core four sports in America. There's been a couple with like other extraneous stuff like lacrosse or rugby and stuff like that, but nothing with the core four sports in America. In 1980, Philadelphia had all four teams in championship games. I think that was the 76ers, the Flyers, the Phillies, and the Eagles, all in championship games. However, only the Phillies prevailed with a championship win. Could we be seeing the rise of a new sports city championship town in the United States of Tampa Bay, can they hold it up? I know the Lightning have their their core, but with cap issues, it's gonna be hard for them to hold on to everyone, but they seem like a force to be reckoned with. I don't know, I just thought that was pretty cool. And Tampa Bay has been a kind of like subpar sports place, haven't had lots of championships. Lightning have been starting to build themselves up and who, who knows what could happen with this city. Next thing that we're going to discuss about is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, Pittsburgh Penguins had lost their GM, Jim Rutherford, who said he was stepping down for personal reasons. And they have actually just recently hired Ron Hextall as their replacement to Rutherford as the GM. As well, they've hired Brian Burke as their president of hockey operations. Hextall is kind of a surprise he's a former philadelphia fire goalie and he also gm them from 2000 was the gm of the philadelphia flyers from 2014 
to 2018. He helped build that fire core that they have right now that is looking very good. And he'll look to help out the Penguins who have kind of been struggling at this season, to my surprise. Malkin hasn't really been able to be himself and score. Crosby's under point per game or not even, he's not really that close to point per game. And neither of Pittsburgh's goaltenders has looked to be what they needed. Both have under 900 save percentages. Matt Murray, who they let, or who they traded away to Ottawa, um, he, he was good for them. We haven't seen either of their goalies right now really being able to help them or win them any games. And if they want to get into the playoffs, they the Penguins have to start to get going because right now in the East Division, we have the Bruins on top, followed by the Flyers, then the Capitals, then the Islanders, and then you see the Penguins, the East Division, which is very close. The Devils have 10 points in nine games, and the Penguins have 11 points in 11 games, meaning Devils just really need another point, and then they're tied with the Penguins. Penguins, they, they need to get going. It, it seems almost guaranteed that the Bruins, the Flyers, and the Capitals are going to be three of the four teams that come out of this East Division. And the number four spot, I think, really jumps up to either Islanders or Penguins, but really any of the other five teams underneath them could grab that. The Islanders look the most likely with Semyon Varlamov being quite the hot goaltender and how good defensively the New York Islanders are. So if the Penguins want to make a chance at making the playoffs, they have to start get going now because we are about a fifth of the way through the season. And it's and with the limited schedule and everything being a four point game in the NHL this season, there is no, no room to be making mistakes, especially of a team of the caliber of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not quite sure what it is. I can't remember when the Penguins last didn't make the playoffs, especially with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, one of the best one, two punches in the game. Are they falling off now? I'm not so sure. Crosby still looks hot. Malkin still seems to have been scoring goals, but maybe this is a step back season for them. I guess we'll have to see how how they shape up under their new GM and what starts to change for the Penguins. But as of right now, they do seem to be in a bit of trouble. I want to discuss some of the top players in the NHL so far this season and just how they are impacting their team. But first, yesterday, I want to talk about Miku Koivu. Miku Koivu has retired. The 37-year-old was in his 16th season, but but first outside of Minnesota as he signed a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets. In 2001, he was the number six overall pick for the Minnesota Wild. He would then go on to captain the Wild for 12 of the 15 years he was playing for Minnesota from 2008 to 2020 until leaving in this summer. His 709 points, 504 assists, and 1,028 games all rank first for the Wild franchise. And his 205 goals rank second, only behind Marion Gabrick, who has 219. 
Koivu said the reasoning behind his retirement was because he couldn't play at the level he wanted as a hockey player. And he felt he was pushing every night to just be ready and wasn't performing to what he thinks his standards are. The Minnesota Wild, who are a fairly new team in the NHL compared to other teams joining in 2000, have only retired a single number. When they joined league number one, they retired that number, number one, as a tribute to their fans of Minnesota. We could very well see in the near future for their best player in their franchise, have his number nine be the first player to have their number retired for the Minnesota Wild. Miku Koivu had quite the career. Minnesota is all happy about him and wishing him the best of luck in retirement. Miku Koivu talked with the Columbus Blue Jackets and discussed how he felt, and they were very understanding of how he was, didn't feel like he was able to do what he was expected. So Miku Koivu has retired. So now that we have that out of the way, we're going to get into some players this season. This season, Austin Matthews has 11 goals, four assists for 15 points, and a plus six. He is currently on fire. Austin Matthews is on an eight-game goal streak, which is absolutely insane. I'm a, a not to brag, I'm a bit proud of myself. I picked him to win the Rocket Richard. It's still a bit early to decide, but Matthew, who's a clear world-class player now, and for the future, I still don't think he's reached his fullest potential yet. I still think Matthews has so much more to learn, especially defensively he's going to improve a lot he has been doing pretty well I believe he's tied for second in takeaways this season is Austin Matthews he's going to keep on getting better and better every season for this Maple Leafs team an absolute generational player amazing sniper great person as your first line center for the future Uh, but you also have to credit someone else on this team and that's his winger Mitch Marner who also plays alongside of Matthews These two together for the future of the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a problem. Mitch Marner has six goals and 15 assists for 21 points and is a plus eight on the season. Mitch Marner is in third place for points this season, only trailing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel. I would say that's pretty good company to be alongside. Mitch Marner is a great player in this league. He is a great playmaker, great at finding a pass. And Austin Matthews, of course, is a great sniper, a great shooter. And that one-two together working on that line, I think is going to be scary for the future as both of them are still growing and still becoming better. Watch out for them. As the Leafs currently sit with a record of 10-2-1, which puts them atop of the North Division. And I do believe that actually does also put them top in the NHL currently with 21 points. The next player I'm going to talk about, I'm not sure if you actually heard of this kid. He was selected first overall in the 2015 NHL draft, has 496 points in 366 games, you know, not not that too good or anything. In the NHL, he's the youngest player to ever be named captain, 19 years in 266 days. It's this guy, I don't know if you, do you know Connor McDavid? McDavid's been tearing up the league this season, obviously leading in points with nine goals and 18 assists to make 27 points in 15 games. I know we all know this guy's a stud and insane. And sometime, some, somehow every time I, I watch him, I am blown away. 
you you just do not see any other player who can fly like he can and hunt, handle the puck that way. Someone like me who can't even skate properly. And just to see this guy, this guy looks like he's just like running. Like it looks like a person who's running, but he's speeding past everyone. And the way he, he does so many little stick handles and maneuvers around and he makes it look so seamless and so easily. You see him pick up the puck in his own defensive zone and just speed and dangle his way through the entire team going coast to coast. And I, I just find it amazing. And he makes it look so effortless. This guy is insane. And he had such high expectations coming into the league. And he has done nothing but fulfill them. Obviously, Edmonton is kind of a eh place right now. They have been struggling. Hence why I believe McDavid is actually a minus one right now. But it, it, McDavid isn't the problem in Edmonton right now. Uh, McDavid's he they got to do something if they want to hold on. I know McDavid signed a long twelve and a half million dollar contract, but like if you want him after that, I don't. I think if he doesn't get a championship or close to a championship, I feel like Connor McDavid wants to win, so like he might leave. That's that's far down the line, but I guess we'll have to see. But you you just don't you don't see players who can just drive through in through an entire team consistently some players will do it occasionally but you don't see it this consistently uh which reminds me a lot of another player who would do it consistently and that's my favorite player of all time who i love to watch and that's paulo Dotsuk. he would pick up the puck undress all five guys on the opposition and then do the same exact thing to the goalie making him flip and turn and that's exactly what mcdavid does and no team can prepare for mcdavid if you look at other sports like the NFL, you'll see NFL sign practice quarterbacks who can reenact like a mobile quarterback or something like that to mimic them. So the defense can be ready and know what to look forward. You tell me when you can find someone who has that speed and can handle the puck and dish it off like he can to prepare you in practice. It is absolutely insane. Next player I'm going to move on to is Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, Mark Stone, I knew this guy could score, and I've heard that he he played well defensively, and I accepted that. I just never really looked for it. I have underrated Mark Stone, and I'm not sure how underrated he is in the league or how well you guys might rate him, but in my eyes, I underrate him. On the season, he has three goals and 12 assists for 15 points and a plus seven. This man's hockey IQ is off the charts. I think that's why I underrate him. Because you don't you don't see, if you look at box scores or highlights, you don't see what this guy is doing. You don't, you don't see the plays he makes, the little small things that he does for the team. He does everything right. He's not a super flashy guy. He he'll have his moments. He can dangle. He can have some very nice shots, but he's not a flashy player. He just does the right thing all the time, finds the right player. He's in the right spot. He knows where his teammates are. He knows where to be defensively and how to block shots, take away the puck. He knows how to do it all. He does all that stuff that you don't see on the stat sheet. A week ago, I saw him along the boards, and he flung a pass without looking to a streaking teammate down the middle who went in and scored. And I said, how? 
I said, how did he, how did he do that? He, I swear he didn't even look behind him or look. He just knew and flung the puck tape to tape right to him. He's that player who will hustle up and down 200 feet of the ice and is an absolute dream for any coach to have. I think he deserves all the credit. Mark Stone, an absolute amazing player. And I, I, having watched a little bit of Mark Stone, I absolutely love the guy. And he is having in a great season for the Vegas Golden Knights this year. And as of right now, the Golden Knights do sit atop of the West Division, 8-1-1, one, one, having only played 10 games, a few of them being canceled due to COVID. But Mark Stone has looked quite well this year. Finally, for the players I want to finish off with are two of the most promising young defensemen in the league, which is Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. Now, last season, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr were going back and forth and back and forth for the Calder, one of the closest races probably ever. And it was between two defensemen who are both going to be great for their teams in the future. Now, Quinn Hughes currently has one goal and 16 assists for 17 points. He is a minus 13. However, you kind of can't really fault him completely for that. The Vancouver Canucks are a team that have been kind of struggling and not doing as well this season. Something that you might have expected losing Tana of Markstrom. They've lost a couple players. but And then you got Makar, who has one goal and 11 assists for 12 points. And he's a plus nine. Also taken to account that he is on the Colorado Avalanche, a much better team than the Vancouver Canucks. However, I do think Makar is a better player. Uh, Hughes is an absolute stud on offense and is your perfect offensive def- defenseman. He was close to getting that Calder last year. Makar did just edge him out. I think that Hughes does need to do a little bit more defensively for the team if he wants to be their franchise D-man. Now, he could just be an off- a great offensive defenseman, and those exist in the league, but I think he's going to want to be more than just another offensive demon. I think he's going to want to also be a great player defensively. He just has to stop trying to do so much offensively for the team. He rushes up a lot, which isn't that bad, but he still has some room to improve of knowing when to stay back and when to not. I think Kale McCarr is just a more NHL-ready player. Not saying that Quinn Hughes isn't NHL-ready, because believe me, he is. But Kale McCarr just looks more, I guess, established out there. He looks so smooth and just looks amazing on an avalanche team that is filled with star talent. And Kale McCarr just fits perfectly in there as that offensive D-man that he is. He's great on the power play. He's got a great set of hands, Kale McCarr has, but he does do a little bit of a better job of staying back sometimes and a little bit better defensively than we see for Quinn Hughes. Now, to finish it off, of course, we're going to go into my three stars of this past week of hockey. So at number three, David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins. He's just returned from surgery. Pasta hasn't seemed to miss a beat, hopping back into his scoring ways after coming off a Maurice Richard trophy last season. The Bruins forward has three goals and two assists for five points and a plus two plus minus to help the Bruins win both of their last two games up against the Philadelphia Flyers, including scoring all three regulation goals against the Flyers. 
with one in the first 12 seconds on an amazing between the legs deke and in on goal and then he also scored in the last 10 seconds of the game batting the puck into the net to force a 3-3 tie and overtime to which the Bruins eventually won and number two I had the Chicago Blackhawks Patrick Kane Patrick Kane he has one goal and five assists for six points in a plus two plus minus Kane who is an obviously established star in the NHL still sitting on a Blackhawk team without Jonathan Thames for the season and who came out and said at the beginning that they are rebuilding, but that's not going to stop Kane out there from fighting. Kane has played with lots of young players on the Blackhawks, lots of rotating lines, but that's not going to change him from being one of the best in the NHL. Patrick Kane, who has amazing hands, if not the best hands in the NHL right now, I think it's easy to say Kane has the best hands in the NHL right now. And They've gone 3-0 in their past three games, placing the Chicago Blackhawks currently in third place in the West, something that I didn't, or excuse me, not in the West, in the Central. Third place in the Central. Now, I didn't think the Blackhawks would be up here. I thought they would be swinging on down low with the Red Wings, who are currently in last place. Blackhawks are currently 6-4-4 in a division with two of the former Stanley Cup playoff finalists, the Stars and Lightnings. Who knows? I mean, if Patrick King decides to just absolutely have an insane season, maybe, just maybe they can make the playoffs. But I, I don't think we'll see it. Obviously, last year we saw the Blackhawks stun the Edmonton Oilers in the qualifying rounds. I'm not, I'm not sure if they're going to get so lucky this year in making the playoffs. At number one, my final star, someone I mentioned a bit earlier, Tampa, excuse me, not Tampa Bay, Toronto Maple Leafs, Mitch Marner. Now, Mitch Marner ranks third for points, and in three games this week, he had one goal, six assists for seven points and a plus one. He has looked like an absolute star for the Leafs, leading them to a 3-0 record this week. Obviously, stars... Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm messing up my words right now. Obviously, the Leafs sit atop of the league right now, and a big part of it is Mitch Marner alongside Austin Matthews, who has been finishing what he's been feeding. So I give my number one star to Mitch Marner. And I'll throw out the league leaders for you just before I close on out. Kapriel Kaprizov still sits atop of the league for rookies with nine points. However, Bias Suter and Tim Stutzel are coming up on hot streaks, and Tim Stutzel has been looking quite well and doing very good for the Ottawa Senators. And I could actually see him coming up and maybe stealing this Calder, someone who I haven't really talked about much. Obviously, well, he's the third overall pick. People, he... I didn't think he would make as big an impact as he is now. He could have gone second, but he went third to the Ottawa Senators, a team that will probably struggle a bit this season. But Stutzel has looked like a bright point for them, and he's going to keep on going and keep scoring goals. As far as league leaders, Connor McDavid leads the league both in points and assists with 27 points and 18 assists. Austin Matthews off his eight-game goal streak now leads the league with 11 goals. And Quinn Hughes leads all defensemen with 17 points. 
As far as her goaltender sets, Peter Mrazek leads with a 0.99 goals against average, and Mike Smith leads with a 0.964 save percentage. And Varlamov now sits alone up top with three shutouts. Varlamov having an amazing season for the New York Islanders, chasing that Vesna trophy, one I was not expecting. And uh, I said Robin Lehner, which Robin Lehner hasn't looked as good as I thought he was going to be. But we'll check back in on my early, pre- too early prediction some other time, probably make some mid-season predictions as well. But that's going to do it for this episode. We will continue to eye down the line A and Dubois trade. We get closer and closer to playoff time. We've been about a fifth of the way through the season now. The Penguins will look to bounce back into the season and what players are going to be able to continue their hot streaks. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.